This podcast is a production of Journey, a church community inspiring people to live big. For more information, please visit cincyjourney.org. God, we are so thankful. We're so thankful for each person that has gathered here. We know, God, that no one is here by accident, that you have something for each and every one of us to hear in in these songs that we sing, in, in these scriptures that we read, in these words we proclaim about you. God, my prayer right now is your spirit begins to work in us and it pushes out the distractions, it pushes out all the uh, things that kind of pull our attention away from who you are and what you want for us. Help us to focus in on that. This morning we sang of how you love us, of how you love us. And one of the, the lines that we sang was that we were unaware of the afflictions, unaware of kind of the troubles and, and the heartaches that might be in our life because we're just overwhelmed, overwhelmed by your glory, by who you are. Help that to happen today. In your name we pray, amen. Well, uh, this morning, as we get started, I'll, I want to um, ask you a question to get you kind of thinking about a particular topic. This morning, I want to just ask uh, for you to think about one of those moments in life where something happened and you just said, why? Why, why did this just happen? Uh, or is this something that just kind of leaves you scratching your head? And this morning, I can't guarantee you that you're going to get an answer to that question, why, but I wanted to start with that kind of uh, question because I wanted us to understand how uh, common those feelings, those experiences are for us all. Some of us could think of something that happened this week, this month, this year, where we said, I I don't get it. It doesn't, it wasn't part of my plan. It wasn't what I wanted. Something just happened. I don't know why. Sometimes when that happens, we're left confused, lost. We're in week number one of a brand new series called In Transit. And what uh, this whole idea behind this series is we want to talk about some of those moments of transition. Those moments of transition where, you know, we're here and we want to be over there, but we're not quite there yet. We're stuck somewhere in the middle. And sometimes the middle is hard. Sometimes the the middle leaves us with questions like, why? Leaves us with doubts, leaves us with pain. And one of the things that I wanted us to uh, discover in this series is that the Bible is full of people. The Bible is full of people who experience the same kind of things. The details might not be the same, the reasons may not be the same, but the underlying kind of feeling, the the angst, the questions, the doubts, they're the same. People knew the pain and the difficulty of transitions in life. 
They experience transitions and changes just like you and I. And so what we want to do all this month, all this month is is we want to open up the Bible and we want to look at some of these stories, some of these characters who, who went through these times of transitions, and we want to figure out how they relied on God in these times of transitions. Before uh, we jump directly into our character for today, I want to spend just a couple of minutes right here on the front talking about, as I thought about this week, as I thought about this series, really, I had a couple of prayers that I've been praying for you, for me. Two, really, and the first is this. My prayer is that as we kind of, as we go through today, as we go through not just today, but uh, sometimes when we see something repeated again and again, we, we, we see the bigger picture. And my prayer has been that we just be overwhelmed with the biblical evidence. That no matter what kind of a change, what kind of difficulty, what kind of transition we find ourselves in today, or maybe we'll find ourselves in tomorrow, that we're not alone. We're not alone. Sometimes when we just take a cursory look at the Bible, when we take a real kind of high-level look, we, we look at the stories, we go, ah, you know, uh, that was hard, but it's so different from me, and they at least they kind of had some kind of more inner, uh, direct contact with God. They, had a, they don't understand. They don't understand what my situation is like. But the Bible is full of people. It's full of stories of people who face trials and difficulties and challenges just like you and I do. Not only are there people in the scriptures, stories that we can relate to on that kind of personal level, that, that shared experience level, but God himself. God himself knows your situation. He is with you. He's with you now, even when it doesn't feel like it. I hope that we discover that, not just today, but all throughout this series. We're just kind of overwhelmed with that biblical evidence that God is present with us no matter what the hardship, no matter what the difficulty. My second prayer is like this. Transitions, uh, as we just said, we know they can be hard. Even the good ones, right? Even like uh, a new job, uh, a new chapter in life, uh, they can be good things, but they're still full of changes. And sometimes what happens when we're going through the, uh, the season of change is we get so focused on the challenge. We get so worried about whatever uh, that kind of new thing is, and we don't know exactly what to do and how to do it in this moment. We get so focused in on the problem, the challenge, we miss. We miss that the season of change is also a divine appointment. It's this great opportunity we have to increase our trust in God. To increase our trust in Him. 
One of my favorite quotes is this. Sometimes we see God best when we've been knocked flat on our back. Sometimes we see God best when we've been knocked all the way down. And I love that quote because because of its honesty. I don't always like that quote. But I I love it because when I think about my life, when I think about the moments in which I really grew, when I feel like my trust in God, my faith grew, it was those hard times. It was those difficult circumstances, those challenges, those in-between times of transition. And so not only is my prayer that that as we go through this series that we're kind of overwhelmed with just the number of stories of people who felt uh, faced difficult situations and, and continued to trust and learn about God... My prayer is that when we find ourselves in those situations, that we can take some kind of step back. It's not always easy. It doesn't always come natural, but we can kind of take some step back and and not be so focused in on the particular problem, the challenge, the mountain before us. We realize this is an opportunity. God has placed this in our path. This is a chance we have to trust God him more. So those have been my prayers for you, for me this week, and will continue to be as we go through this series. All right, well, with all of that shared this morning, let's focus in on kind of our first uh, character from Scripture, and the person we're going to talk to or talk about today is almost synonymous with trial and difficulty His name is Job. Job is a character in the Old Testament. He's got a whole uh, book written about him, a whole chapter of the Bible. And uh, if you were to read it and you read the first couple of lines, what you would find is everything starts out great. Everything starts out wonderful, perfect for Job. He lives in this place called the land of Uz. This was kind of like the wild, wild west of Israel. It was the very kind of edge of civilization. It was the place uh, you could go to and you could make a great fortune. You could make a name for yourself. But you could also lose it in a moment. Both of those things happened to Job. A lot of detail is given in those first few verses about what a good man Job is, how faithful he is, how reverent to God he is. Job is happy. He's got a great family. His kids, they, they, they have this uh, practice. They like to throw parties in one another's honor, and they, and they all uh, join in. He's very wealthy. He's the um, envy of the region. That's how Job gets described in the first few verses of chapter 1. And then in verse 6, there's this major shift. This major shift, and it gets recorded like this. This is Job chapter 1, verses 6 through 12, if you're reading along today. 
one day. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. And the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? And Satan answered the Lord, from roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. And then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There's no one on earth like him. He's blameless and upright, a man who fears God, who shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing, Satan replied? Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hand so that his flocks and his herds are spread throughout the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well, then everything he has is in your hands, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. And then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. From that moment, things went downhill quickly for Job. He goes from being the envy of the town, the wealthiest man in the region, this wonderful family, and it all is gone. Enemies came from uh, one place, and they took all of his oxen and his donkeys. And, and, and remember, that's primarily how you would accumulate wealth in this day. Then fire came from heaven, burned up his sheep. Then at the same time, a, a different enemy came from a different direction, and they took all of his camels. And then while the servants were, were coming and reporting these things to Job, another servant comes up and he says this. While uh, all of this was being reported, uh, uh, the servant came and said, your seven sons and your three daughters, they were gathered together. They were gathered together in a house, and a great wind came and blew the house over, and they all died. Talk about a bad day. Everything but his health was taken from him. And Job is, he's brokenhearted, he's bewildered. But it also says that he speaks words of blessing and praise. And then in verse 22 it says this, In all this Job did not sin. He didn't turn his back on God. He continued to trust. The scene changes again to from earth to heaven. And Satan returns before God, and God is pleased with Job, but, but Satan isn't so impressed. He thinks it's a farce. And Satan says, it's because you wouldn't let any direct harm come to him. That's why Job is still faithful to you. In essence, uh, he's saying Job is faithful out of self-interest. It's because good things happen to him. It's because you take such good care of him. Take away his protection. Take away his blessings. And his faith will go just as fast. God tells Satan that he's wrong about Job, about humanity. That It's not self-interest that drives the faithful, but affection. And this really becomes kind of the primary question of the book of Job. 
Will humanity, will Job only love God when good and blessing come to them? And so the second wave comes. Satan inflicts Job with painful sores all over his body from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. And then we get this picture in, in Job chapter 2, verse 8, where Job is, he's come so far, he, he has um, broken pieces of pottery and he's scraping the sores off his body while he sits in a heap of ashes. That's how far he's fallen. I mean, think about those first couple of verses in chapter 1 that we talked about, uh, this depiction of Job in his life. He, he's out in the land of us. He is uh, wealthy. He has this great family. He, he's described as a good and faithful man. I, I just can't, I can't have this picture of Job without him just, uh, his wealth kind of spread out before him and his family there gathered around. He's just got a smile on his face. He's thankful for the blessings God has brought to him. And then in verse 8 of chapter 2, he's scraping Soars off his body. His wealth is gone. His kids are gone. And here's the biggest thing. He has no idea why. He has no concept of the conversation between Satan and God. He has no idea why all this is happening That's something we can relate to. Maybe we don't have the same set of circumstances. I hope not. But we can relate to not knowing why something is happening, feeling lost in it. And so this why question is burning in Job's heart. Why is this happening? And we're told that Job didn't turn his back, that he continued to trust in God. But I don't want you to think that that came easy for him, that that it somehow wasn't really a challenge despite all these things that happened. He just had this superhuman faith. Chapter 12, Job challenges God. He challenges him. In chapter 21, he he lists this long complaint. In chapter 3, he says, God, can't you just make it as if I was never born? What we see, what we see is this, is that Job's faith persevered. He just kept on. We, we don't know all, all the reasons why. It's certainly, it's not pretty like we, we talked about. It. It's not easy for him. It's not without challenge. It's not without difficulty. But he continues on our faith. Our faith isn't always pretty. It's not easy. We run into circumstances, into times when we want to give up. When we get distracted by different directions, we get pulled in in life. Then in Job 38, verse 1, we get this line. It might be my favorite in the book of Job. And then the Lord answered Job out of the storm. 
Can we just pause on those words? Then the Lord answered Job out of the storm. Out of the storm of financial ruin, out of the storm of of family drama, out of the storm of, of physical kind of illness, God steps through all of that. He steps through all of that and he reveals himself to Job. Like a lot of interactions with God, he doesn't go as Job thought it would. Job's got this burning question, why? Why did all this happen to me? But God comes with his own questions. And there's this rather kind of long section where God kind of interrogates Job and he asks him questions like these. Where were you when I formed the earth? Can you hang the stars? Has you ever made the sun rise? Who makes it rain where nobody lives? Who grows grass that no one ever will see. The list goes on and on. And in these questions, Job doesn't get the answer to the question why that he has in his mind, but he gets this kind of clearer picture of who God is. That God is immeasurably powerful. That God is uh, irrationally loving. He's immeasurably powerful. He formed the earth. He hung the stars. He's irrationally loving. He pours water, rain, where no one lives. These people, they often kind of move trying to find where water was. Water was the source of life. He grows grass where nobody will see it but him, just for his enjoyment. In the midst of Job's pain, in the midst of his struggle, God comes down and reveals himself more fully. It's a glimpse. It's a glimpse of how God would come down in the form of Jesus, the person of Jesus, and take our sin, take our suffering, and reveal himself more fully. For thousands of years, Job's story, his honesty, his perseverance, has been used to inspire people. Inspire people to continue on in their own difficulty, in their own challenge, in their own land of us. The story of Job is in the Bible so that we will be encouraged. It's in the Bible so that we will encourage others not to give up, to move forward, to keep believing even with our questions, even with our challenges, even when we don't quite understand. Because if we learn one thing from from the book of Job, it's this, that how we respond, how we respond to times of transition, how we respond to challenges, it does matter. It does 
better. Faith is this one constant thing Job had through his suffering. His faith wavers, it's, it's frustrated, it, it's spoiled, it's, he complains, he questions, but he still comes back and he says, you know what, God is faithful, God is loving, God is powerful, God is merciful, God is wise. As I was preparing this week, as I was reading the story of Job, this um, quote from uh, Chuck Swindoll, a pastor from years and years ago, just kept coming to my mind, and it says this, life is 10% of what happens to me, 90% of how I respond. I thought about my trials, my challenges, and how they paled in comparison paled in comparison to Job. And how, even with my my challenges paling in comparison to Job, how I didn't always respond with faith and trust like I should. Hear me say today that God is merciful That God is powerful, that God is wise, that God is loving. No matter what your situation, no matter what your challenge is in this moment or tomorrow or the next day, God's character doesn't change. Believe that with me. Job is this incredible example of trusting Trusting God even in difficulty and challenge, and it's not easy. I don't know what kind of changes are afoot in your life. I don't know what kind of challenges are you're facing. But I do know they represent this opportunity, this opportunity to trust. Trust God just a little bit more. As you think about trusting God more today, I want to give you just kind of three, three reasons to trust Him even when life seems chaotic, when it seems out of control. First is this. God is more compassionate more compassionate than you realize. Psalms 56 verse 8 says, uh, it tells us that God not only sees our tears, but he collects them. That's a picture of a God who deeply cares and loves us. He cares about our hurts and our pain, that they're precious to him. This kind of response from him means he's trustworthy to work our situation out for the best. To take a deep breath in our trouble, in our trial, and we have to realize that God is more compassionate than we give him credit for. Second thing, 
Second thing is that you might be surprised, but God is not. You might be surprised, I might be surprised, but God is not. He's not caught off guard by our uh, challenge. He's not overwhelmed by it. He's not clueless. Psalm 139 tells us that God is familiar with all our ways. Where we've been, what we're doing, where we're going. Before there is a word on our tongues, he knows it completely. So trust what he already knows. True faith is assurance of things hoped for. Conviction of things not seen, like it says in Hebrews. And third today, God is much more capable than we are. Much more capable than we are. We often convince ourselves that we have the best solution to our challenge, to our problem, and we get frustrated when God doesn't seem to agree. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 assures us that his ways, though, his ways are higher than our ways. Meaning his method, his timing, and how he chooses to do things is far better than our own. And sometimes we're just simply being called to trust that. This morning, will you pray with me? Dear God, we get this incredible story of perseverance and of trust in the story of Job. And God, we just ask that your presence and your spirit move in our heart and our life. When we read the story of Job, when we hear these words, when we hear these challenges, it can seem so overwhelming. And sometimes that's just how we feel. When we think about the challenge before us, when we think about the change coming and we think about our amount of resources, our ability to handle it, to know what to do, we can be overwhelmed the same way. God, my prayer today is that we can take a step of faith, a step of trust where we say, God, you know, I don't know exactly what tomorrow will be. I don't know what this change is going to bring. I'm stuck in this kind of in-between moment, this time in life. But God, I want to trust in you. I want to trust in you because no matter what step of faith we need to take, whether it's some new opportunity, whether it's just simply trusting you, maybe it's walking across a room and talking to a coworker and sharing your faith in some way with them, whatever it is before us, God, it begins that that step of faith begins with a desire in our heart right now to see our trust in you grow. 
fill our hearts, Lord. Fill our hearts with that desire, with that hunger. Help us, every one of us, to say, God, yes, help me trust in you today. Help me have even more courage tomorrow. Help me have trust and a hunger for you right now. In your name we pray.